Hey there, Lions. Did you know that you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content by joining our paid support group, the Lions of Liberty Pride? For as little as $5 a month, you can help us grow this program to new heights. Learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com support. Gary Johnson's team was the vicious, nastiest thing I've ever seen in my 20 plus years in the Liberty Movement. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Roar, 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 my Liberty kittens. Welcome on back to another edition of Lions of Liberty, the 290th edition. My God, we are rapidly approaching that 300 mark. I don't know what I'm going to do for episode 300 yet. All I know is it's going to be awesome and Liberty-filled. But until then, we've got plenty more great Liberty talk coming for you here at Lions of Liberty, starting with today's guest. Joining me today is one of the candidates who ran for the Libertarian vice presidential nomination in 2016. He's recently been speaking out about what he believes to be unethical behavior that occurred within the Libertarian Party and specifically the Gary Johnson campaign during the 2016 election cycle. If you have ever been to a Libertarian event anywhere at any time, there's a pretty good chance that he's taken your picture at some point. I'm pleased to welcome back Judd Weiss. Judd, are you ready to roar? Yes, I am. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I love being on your show. Well, sure thing, Judd, and I love having you on, man, because you got a lot of insights, and this time, you know, in the past, we've talked more about philosophy and that sort of thing, uh, but today we're going to kind of do something totally different than that and, and talk more about kind of politics and insider politics and a lot of the things that you saw within the Libertarian Party during your association with John McAfee. In, in 2016 and his campaign. Uh, before we get into your criticisms of, of some of the things you saw, specifically with the Gary Johnson campaign and the accusations you've been making, I, I want to get a little background on your association with the Libertarian Party and, and with Gary Johnson in the past, because I know you did support him in 2012. You even held, held fundraisers for him here in LA. So can you just detail your past experiences, both of the Libertarian Party and Gary Johnson prior to the 2016 campaign? I've been off and on with the Libertarian Party for over 20 years. Since I was a teenager, uh, back in the mid-90s, I signed up for the California State Party. And back then, uh, you'd have to sign a a non-aggression pledge in order to just be a member, which was cool. I was like all about it. And I was, what, 16, I think, around when I when I came on board in, what, 96. So I would... Uh, I, so before you could even vote, you were getting involved with this stuff, huh? Yeah, I would, me and my friend were the only high school teenagers at these meetings uh, with mostly a bunch of stuffy old people at like Denny's and stuff like that. And, I, and I, it was like the local LA County libertarians were meeting up. And, and um, so, yeah, I've been around for a long time. And I've been off and on with the party because I've always wanted the party to do well. Every single election since I was a kid in high school, I was always hoping that the Libertarian Party will do better this time. And I remember back then we were thinking we need at least a few election cycles to to start becoming relevant. And I feel like we're not much further than we were when I was back back when I was a teenager in the 90s. So, yeah, I, I've, but I've had a lot of experience uh, with the Libertarian Party and the Liberty Movement in general. I've, I've been in the scene for a very long time. As far as Gary Johnson goes, uh, I think I met him back in, what, 2010 at, at a friend of mine uh, held a fundraiser for him. And I offered to throw a fundraiser for him. Actually, Gary Johnson came to my place to use my house to like film something. They were doing some documentary there. And he did a photo shoot for his uh, 2011 campaign. 
at my house with, with the view. And that's what I was known for. I was known for throwing good parties. And I would invite libertarian speakers every once in a while. And so I invited Gary Johnson. And, and he used to introduce me to people. Before I ran for uh, VP with McAfee, me and Gary Johnson were totally cool. And whenever I see him out at events, he would introduce me to people saying, Judd throws my favorite fundraisers. And he was so gracious and generous to me. So me and him were very cordial, very friendly. And we were on great terms for a while. I threw two fundraisers for him. I donated to his campaign. I was part of the crew uh, of, of supporters back in uh, run up to the 2012 election. Um, so I knew a lot of people involved in the Gary Johnson campaign and, and in that circle. They're my friends. I support them and I support what they're doing. So I, I'm very familiar with people around him and with Gary Johnson. In fact, Ron Nielsen, the campaign manager, I, I've got messages from him back in 2012 where he's asking me for my input and what um, any ideas that I'd recommend that Gary do. Uh, so I was I was really cool. I was cool with Ron Nielsen, the campaign manager. I considered him a friend. Obviously, that all changed as soon as I announced that I was running with McAfee. So how did that all come about? I mean, John actually told the story when he was on the show uh, you know, just prior to the Libertarian Party convention when he was at a fundraiser at your house. And and I believe that was the first time you, you guys met. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, he, he basically said he talked to you for a few minutes and decided on the spot that he wanted to run with you right there. But but how did, how did you lead up to that point? How did you first learn about John McAfee's campaign? And why were you even throwing him a fundraiser in the first place? And had you already decided that you weren't going to be on board the Johnson campaign at that point? Yeah, actually, I, I did. No, I was asked if I would throw a fundraiser for McAfee by McAfee's campaign manager, Chris Thrasher. The idea was that McAfee, while he's a very interesting, dynamic character, he's not that, it doesn't have a lot, that much cred in the liberty scene. He hasn't been around the libertarian movement for a very long time. He's instinctually a libertarian. He's lived a libertarian lifestyle, but um, he hasn't been involved in, t in the intellectual scene quite so much. While Gary Johnson's got a lot might not be that dynamic of a character, but he's got a lot of credit in the scene. He's been around for a while. And me, I, everybody knows me. I've so many of the people in the movement, their photos on their Facebook profile photos are mine. So my name is on almost everybody's uh, Facebook profile. A lot of people know me. Nobody doubts my dedication and my credibility in the scene. And so the idea was that while I was making, putting together the fundraiser for McAfee, the idea came up with the McAfee's campaign manager, and it kind of blew my mind. I was really excited about it, because when I was asked to throw a fundraiser for McAfee, I thought, hell the fuck, yeah, that's exciting. I'd love to do that. And then when this came up, that was just like another world for me, you know? So for me, it felt like I say that the this like big band came in town, and they're about to go on tour to Europe, and I can jump on the tour bus or not. So I jumped. I was like, hell, I can't miss this. Yeah, if you have a if you have a party with uh, you know with the Rolling Stones and they say, hey Judd, you want to come on this three month tour with us? You don't say no to that. You just don't. No, and and it wasn't decided at my house. We I, I had announced in the party that there's going to be a surprise announcement that's going to blow your mind. You won't believe it. Uh, nobody knew what that was. And then when I announced at the party, it was just complete. When McAfee stood up and and announced me. It was just complete silence. People were just shocked. It was a very surreal feeling, actually. It was, it was, it was amazing, and they just couldn't believe it that they came to my party and that I'm running for VP with him. It was just, it was just stunning. Everybody. The funny thing was that that was March 31st, and we were going into midnight, which made it April 1st when the news came out. <laughs> and so, 
So people thought it was some kind of April Fool's joke. There might have been a little skepticism at first. Uh, yes, there was a lot of skepticism, and I couldn't even I couldn't even confirm it because nobody would believe it on April first. It was nothing I could do. Yeah, if you've got a big announcement that breaks on April first, you pretty much just got to wait till the <laughs> second to to be serious about it. Right, right. Especially something like that. Like McAfee is known to be a maniac, and I'll vouch for that. He is, but that's. That's why I think he is an exciting option. I hope one day to be half the maniac that is John McAfee. And so I was running with him all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, obviously to be in a position with an interesting figure like him, because I've been a McAfee fan for a long time. I've been following him in the news. I thought he's hilarious, really interesting, um, and uh, just always wondering what this guy's going to do next. So I've been following him. The fact that I was going to be able to run with him was just like I was so excited. So I was just writing lots of notes in my journal about possible things we could do together. That opportunity wasn't an opportunity for me to now be a politician. I wasn't interested in being a politician or doing what boring things that normal politicians do. I'm going to, I'm running with a maniac like John McAfee. I'm not going to be a normal, boring politician we're all tired of. That's not going to happen. I wanted to do the most interesting, badass thing I could possibly do with that platform I was just given. Sure. I mean, one of, one of your taglines was vote different. And it wasn't just about voting different, but it was for you, it was really about running a campaign differently, about, uh, you know, creating different imagery that to associate it with the ideas of liberty and really taking an entirely different approach to politics than really definitely than the Gary Johnson campaign and definitely really more than any other politician in the past. Exactly. I wanted to completely reimagine what's possible with politics. Uh, everybody's tired of it. And I feel like the, the one of the big problems with the Libertarian Party is that their focus is wrong. They're, they start to become not just not liberty activists anymore. They start becoming Libertarian Party activists. And that's different. Uh, it should be the same, but it's not. So whenever there's a conflict between the interests of moving forward, the movement and the cause, and the party, the, the cause should always be the priority if you're a liberty activist. But... It starts. It feels like they've gotten sucked into the party politics, and that the party is everything. Liberty. The, they they get lost, and they're distracted from the actual po- uh, point of advancing liberty. And I wanted to bring it back to that. I feel like the Libertarian Party should stop focusing on winning elections when they're when we don't have a chance at really winning. What we should do is use the party to advance liberty, to build the movement, to sp- spread our message, to grow. Ron Paul proved that a political campaign can be valuable. The fact that Ron Paul lost was not a defeat. It was it was still a victory what he was able to achieve for the liberty movement. And I want to use campaigns like that. Use them as a platform, use them to grow, and we will finally get our numbers someday if we do do that. But if our focus is conflicted with the competing directive of of uh, of of trying to win elections, then we're trying to be like generic politicians that are from like like the establishment, but we don't have any established power. So we, we start doing like junk schlock that we're putting out there that nobody's really interested in. And uh, we're, we're not building, we're not growing. We're just trying to get as, as whatever numbers it's, it's a, the politically expedient option is I think death to our long run. And we're not, we're, we're, we're lost. We, we're missing the bigger picture here. Yeah. And Judd, I mean, 
we probably would not be having this conversation right now if Ron Paul didn't make those presidential runs. And by any any regular political metric, you'd call those runs failures. But what they did was inspire a lot of people like me. I mean, I was a libertarian even before Ron Paul uh, ran his presidential campaigns in 2008 and 2012. But it was his passion on the national stage and his bravery saying really bold things uh, at a time even then when you just didn't say things like end the war on drugs, legalize heroin, bring our troops home. Those just aren't things that you were supposed to say. And and that passion inspired me to eventually start this podcast and, and get involved in the liberty movement in a, in a greater way. And I know that is true for many, many other people out there. So you can't, if you're really talking about advancing ideas and advancing liberty, you have to look at a bigger picture outside of winning this election, getting a certain percentage here and there. Exactly. I'm, I'm completely with you on that. So let, let's dig into the nitty gritty here a little bit. I mean, when I mean, obviously you're involved in the McAfee campaign. You're excited about it. You're you're focusing on your videos and, and creating this really interesting messaging. When did things start to? When did you start to see things um, from the Gary Johnson campaign or just in the Libertarian Party in general that started to make you go, hmm, what what's going on here? This doesn't just this doesn't feel right to me. Well, I left the Libertarian Party a while ago, uh, way before this campaign, because I saw so much infighting and. Um, just hostility that, and and just I don't know. It's this culture of nerds bickering over minutia detail, getting really worked up about it, and then uh, suddenly nobody can work together on anything anymore. So I, I've I've experienced that for a while. That's that's not Gary Johnson's fault. He didn't bring that to the movement or to the party. I was on the executive committee for the St- California State Party um, a couple of years ago. I resigned just so that the uh, bickering over bylaws would would leave my email because it was flooding my email. I couldn't handle it anymore. I I wouldn't even read these emails of of nerds bickering over bylaws, let alone contribute and and write back and get involved in it. I was like, it was, this is just not how I want to spend my activism. I don't understand what the, what good this is doing. So I've had my um, let's say disappointments with the party for a long time. When I got on board, I told John McAfee, look, I I I can come on. Um, I can bring. I've got a lot of eyeballs on me. I've got a lot of friends in the in 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 the liberty movement. I think we can bring people into the party that are not normally involved. But I want to keep this clean. I don't want to attack Gary Johnson. He's a friend of mine, um, and uh, I, I don't want to be. I don't want to get involved in dirty, dirty politics. And I don't want to. I don't want to look shady, and I and I don't even want to look hostile. I don't. I don't want to get in in the fight, fights. So let's. Uh, let's keep a clean campaign. And he's, he's, he was totally with me. He, he thought that was great, actually. I, I made a huge mistake. I announced at the beginning, I'm going to be more honest than no, than even is whatever is expected of honesty. I'm going to be more honest. I'm going to keep this really open. Just be blunt, straightforward. This is what's going on. And I said, I'm not going to get in a fight. I'm not going to attack anybody. I'm not going to get into arguments uh, over, over petty shit. You want to keep things about ideas and not about right. you know, petty, petty bickering and that kind of thing. Exactly. So that's what I said at the beginning. So that was a big mistake because I didn't realize that I couldn't be both honest and not say anything negative at the same time. I, I, I didn't want to, but unfortunately that's what I had to report. I was shocked because Gary's known as a nice guy. He's got that nice guy image, maybe even like too far like nice guy Gary and Austin kind of came off like a trolling asshole 
Um, and that was my issue with him. I was really turned off by Austin when I came on board, actually, because I, I thought he was attacking Gary Johnson too much and that he was being so hostile and he was picking fights. And I was like, I'm really not about that. I don't want any of that. I don't want to be part of it. Um, so I, I, I came on board and I was expecting Austin to be attacking me because, you know, we're about the same age. We have, I guess, that younger, cooler side of the Liberty spectrum interested. And I've got a lot of cred. So sure enough, when I came on board, I did suck up a lot of attention that he was getting. And I figured he, I was a big threat to him, so he was going to attack me. But I was, I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Austin was cool. He, he, he didn't go after me. I think it would be stupid if he did. He didn't. He was actually cool. And the stuff that he was saying about Gary Johnson, to my surprise, turned out to be true. He was right. Gary Johnson's team was the vicious, nastiest thing I've ever seen in my 20-plus years in the Liberty Movement. I've never seen anything so vile and hostile, vicious and nasty. Now, that's a pretty big statement. So why don't we just get right to, I mean, when you're talking about words like vicious and nasty, what is one thing that stands out to you right now and at the top of your head when you say those words and you're thinking about the things you saw? What's what's like the biggest, most vicious, nastiest thing you saw? They create like a troll army of fake accounts and they use these cartoon characters because for legal reasons, they don't want to use real people's faces. So... They use these fake accounts with these cartoon characters, and those are the nastiest. And those guys are just posting all sorts of lies and mean shit all over the Liberty universe. Um, they'll post uh, things with, like, McAfee. He, he had married a former prostitute, and she has uh, arrest photos. They'll post her arrest photos with a, a title, This is your, new, uh, your next uh, first lady. You know, stuff like that. Um, with me, they were posting, they were just trying to dig up anything in my past, which I'm, I'm expecting. I'm expecting to get attacked. I'm not surprised that I am getting attacked in, in politics. But they would be writing things like, that shitbag liar, Judd. And, and they would, they, they're just writing such nasty things all the time. They're trying to, they're, they're twisting my words. Are, are these people that you know are, are directly associated with the Gary Johnson campaign? Yeah. Yeah, they're on staff. They're paid by the campaign. Uh, for example, Tom Mann. Uh, M-A-H-O-N, Tom Mann, was paid uh, over $15,000. He was one of the guys involved in setting up a troll army. And this is all um, public data you can get from the FEC. I yeah, know, I've, I've yeah. seen it out there. We'll we'll link to everything that you're talking about, and you can maybe shoot me an email with some stuff, but I have some of it um, over at the show notes for this program. So l- let me give you another example. Our campaign manager, Chris Thrasher, uh, when I came on board, it was just him and John. There was The campaign was pretty much dead when I came on. There was like no life to it. Uh, Thrasher was not was not a competent campaign manager. Uh, nothing was getting handled. Media wasn't being responded to. All that sort of thing. Uh, volunteers weren't getting responded to. We didn't have like a, any kind of structure. The first thing that happened right after the fundraiser was the California convention, which was started like the next day after after the fundraiser, where I was announced. So I go to the California convention, and bear in mind I've been talking to them for weeks, and I even pretty much finished the the first video uh, by that point that that I came on board. I was I was working on that first video already. And I already had the logo ready and, and everything. At the California convention, Gary Johnson's campaign manager offers our campaign manager four thousand dollars to quit our campaign and come on the Gary Johnson team. Now four thousand isn't that much money, um, but 
this is what happens in the Democrats with the Democrats too. Apparently, Hillary Clinton was offering people on Obama's team a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to quit the Obama campaign. L- little bigger payout from uh, the, right. the Clinton team. So libertarian <laughs> parties are like smaller potatoes. Right. Still, still something. But any case, Chris tells tells me, I'm not going to take Ron's dirty money. They're corrupt. He's like ultra conspiracy theorist. Talks. Uh, tells me so many bad things about Ron Nielsen. He was involved with Ron Nielsen in the past, and he's seen a lot of dirty stuff from the guy. Um, it was really Chris who was uh, was explaining to me in detail, or more in detail, why Ron Nielsen is a dirty p- player. He's scamming people and not to be trusted. Then, I, and he's like, I'm not going to take Ron's dirty money. I don't want to be involved in that. I was like, okay, great, interesting Interesting to know. After the convention, our campaign manager, Chris, loses his cell phone or something like that. And I can't reach him for one whole week. So I'm talking to him for a couple days after I'm on the campaign. And then a whole week, I have no contact with him. Nothing. Not even an email. Nothing. And this is right after he had told you about this uh, this financial offer from the, the Johnson campaign. Right. Exactly. I'm like, oh, uh and, and and apparently he's waiting for his next cell phone to come in the mail while he's traveling. So it's it's like a whole mess. So I'm like being understanding about that. Okay, he's got a problem. Um, when he does come back on, I, I do finally reach him again. His tone is completely different. He's talking to me as if uh, as if there's no hope now in running. Before he was like, we're gonna telling me why we can win this, and he was really optimistic. Now he's completely pessimistic telling me that we, should, we might as well give up. We really don't have much chance here. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, this is our campaign manager. We're paying him, and and he's discouraging us from continuing forward. That's really weird. Uh, then two days later, I post the first video, and all of a sudden, people are sharing it all over Facebook, all over the libertarian universe of delegates, potential delegates at the convention. People are sharing it. They, they think that that's interesting, cool, it's fresh, it's different. And all of a sudden, we're taken off like a rocket ship. And within within like an hour or two, maybe two hours of posting that video, and, and things are flying, we're doing really well, it's really exciting all of a sudden, our campaign manager calls us and tells us that he's quitting. And he just he's not going to Gary Johnson's campaign. He's just, um, he just needs to take a break from politics. I'm like, so shocked. Like, really? Like, hey, man, you were a little bit pessimistic the other day, but here's an example. We're, we're like on a rocket ship right now. We're doing well. This is good. This is what you were hoping for. Uh, but but yeah, he's quitting. And that's really weird. You know, like, what, what is this about? So it's okay. I'm going to find another campaign manager. And I do. And I'm happy about it. But but still, I was a bit shocked. And then And then I was really shocked within an hour of that to see a headline on uh, on a blog libertarianfuture.com uh saying that McAfee's campaign is disintegrating. I'm like, "What is this? We're doing really well. We're on a rocket ship. I'm really excited. People are really exciting. I'm getting a lot of messages." And all of a sudden I hear from my campaign manager he's quitting. And then there's an article ready with a headline t- saying McAfee's campaign is disintegrating. Within just a couple hours of you finding out about this. No, within an hour. Within an of hour of you being told that he was out. quitting. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Within an hour, here there's a there's an article already so ready. So you're starting to connect some dots here, and kind of suspecting that there was a little bit of coordination here. Then. Yeah. Sure enough, the author of that article, Jay Wilson, was paid over twenty one thousand dollars by the Gary Johnson campaign. 
Um, and this is Jay Wilson. He's from the Libertarian, a Libertarian Future. That's right. Yes, that's right. And uh, Chris Thrasher is also. If you if you go to the FEC, you'll see that he was paid um, uh, thirty thirty thousand. He was paid almost $31,000 from the Gary Johnson campaign. $31,000, the guy that right. quit the McAfee campaign and said he was right. leaving politics. Our campaign manager, not not a guy on our campaign, right. our campaign manager was paid $30,896 from the Gary Johnson campaign. And, and as far as you know, did did he ever have an official position that was announced with the campaign? Or we just know, all we know is he got $31,000. Uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure they gave him an official position. He did, I he did eventually because, I mean, it sounded yeah. like first he was trying to act like he was just leaving the libertarian li- libertarian politics and politics overall. But that wasn't the case, clearly. He just needed a break from politics in general. Exactly. That's what he told us. So he's leaving politics. OK, wow, that's a surprise. But but then I, I see that Gary that he was on the pay from the Gary Johnson campaign to the tune of thirty one thousand dollars. And. And when he left, uh, uh, I I paid him in full what his balance was. I I, I made it. I wrote it. I sent him the money from myself. That's as soon as he got the money. That's when he turned really nasty on me. Actually, huh. <clears throat> he was actually yelling at me like, "Judd, you need to play the game. You can't just talk openly about what's going on behind the scenes." Because I'm talking to people openly. I'm posting on Facebook exactly the way that people are talking behind the scenes. I'm speaking with you right now exactly the way that people speak behind the scenes. But that's not normal. People don't do that. They're very careful what they say behind the scenes, not to say that publicly. But I'm, I have no interest in politics. I don't really care. Well, your, your approach to politics, it seems like, was the same, uh, you know, in front of the scenes as it was behind the scenes. You wanted to have lead an honest, open campaign. And then but when the doors close and you're in the, in the meetings or whatever in the back, you're not trying to act differently then either. You're, you're still trying to be open and honest. And to people that were already in the political game to them, well, that, that's not how you do it. Yeah, so he's like yelling at me right after I paid him, right after he received his money. He's yelling at me, Judd, you need to play the game. You need to play the game. And I'm like, man, I'm on a fucking vendetta. Uh, I'm, on a, on a, I'm on a mission cr- crusade to not do that. Like, that's not going to happen. I have, I have no interest in that. Like, I'm going to run with McAfee. I have this opportunity to do something cool, and I'm going to be a normal, boring politician. That's not going to happen. I'm not doing that. I have no interest in that. I'm not. Why waste my time? I came out of pocket for my campaign. I'm not doing this just to be boring junk and, and part of the way things have been done. So he's like telling me that. Then uh, to, to continue the story, which was the re- most shocking thing, was I, I hired Tiffany Madison as our campaign manager. And she's great because she's got a good organizational ability and she knows apps and, and modern technologies of organizing and structuring teams. That's all I wanted. Um, she's just she's like a team organizer. I had to get somebody who was not part of the Libertarian Party because I discovered from Chris that anybody staff level at the Libertarian Party has been working on campaigns in the past, um, and they meet a lot of people staff level, and sometimes they're working together on campaigns. Two to four years later, they're working on opposite teams. Two to four years later, they're working on the same team again. So they're all friends, and ultimately what you have is a large mole network within the Libertarian Party. So if you hire anybody staff level, uh, that's your leak. Everybody's gonna. Every the other campaigns are gonna know what's going on through that person. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And this sounds like a lot of 
what libertarians or people that are just sick of the two-party system, not even talking I- ideology here. I-, I mean, this is exactly what the Democrats and Republicans do, and it's what we – it's a part of what many of us can't stand about the system. Right. And you're oh, saying the so, exact same so thing many contradictions. the Libertarian Party. There's so many contradictions with libertarian ideas and the libertarian party. Uh, this is one. So I hired Tiffany Madison. She, um, uh, I tell her I need her. Chris just left. She told me she could start. This was, I think, like Tuesday or Wednesday maybe of, of one particular week. She told me she could start the following Monday. She's out of town. Um, but she'll, she'll get on board the following Monday. So they left like a few days where uh, the slack pretty much fell on me. And I was okay with that. But in that time, I think it was like there was on on Saturday before the Monday that Tiffany started on Saturday, John McAfee was supposed to be in Louisiana at the um, New Orleans, New Orleans at the Louisiana convention. And he couldn't be there. Um, I got a message from uh, Chris Thrasher. I got it like at like 9 p.m. or something or eight or 9 p.m. on Friday night. And I and I was told I need to call the chair of the the Libertarian Party of Louisiana to let him know that that McAfee can't be there the next day because he's got to be in New York to speak on the Panama Papers because it's blowing up right now and he's got these interview requests. And it literally said in the email, uh, tell him it has something to do with the Panama Papers. That's what I was. That's what I was told. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a good idea. I appreciate letting me know. And you think that Chris is just communicating a message from directly from John McAfee at this point? Yeah, I thought like okay, uh, like it's and it's it's late. It's like midnight in Louisiana. I think it was like 10 p.m. That's right. It was midnight over there, and I'm in the I'm on in California, and it was too late for me to call McAfee because I didn't want to wake him up. He goes, he, you know, he's older. He goes to sleep at a normal time, not like me. And I, I call up the the chair of the Louisiana party, and I let him know that McAfee can't be at the convention. Figure that's a really important do, thing to do. I'll do that right now. And the guy starts screaming at me, telling me that McAfee fucked him. He's supposed to be there tomorrow. He's furious. He's screaming like like veins must be popping out of his neck. He's really furious. And he's like, why can't he be there? I said, he's got to be in New York. He's got this like important interviews on um, the Panama Papers, something like that. I even told him, to be honest with you, I don't know uh, too much about it. <laughs> like I, I'm just trying to pass along this message. He's like, he has no integrity He's not going to win the Libertarian Party nomination. I will make sure that he loses. I will do everything I can to make sure he doesn't get this, that McAfee is disgraced and not a part of this party. And then that guy starts posting all over Facebook in these uh, Facebook groups for delegates, uh, how McAfee just has no integrity, just screwed him out on this convention that he featured McAfee on. McAfee won't be there. Um, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have any, he doesn't care about this cause. He's just trying to promote himself. He wants to give interviews on in New York or something like that. And he's tagging me in it and, and, and just saying, and all of a sudden it's like a place for all these other people to attack McAfee and I, and I remember seeing a lot of this, these arguments on Facebook at the time. This was like pretty public stuff. Right. So that's what was going on behind the scenes. And the truth was McAfee was sick with the flu. He was really in bad shape at that time. He was out of commission for a few days, actually. And all I had to do was tell the truth. And I, if, if I, call, I wish I called McAfee first and just asked him what's up. So you think you were intentionally fed bad information, which you knew or you didn't know contradicted the truth, just to continue to make the, the McAfee campaign look bad? 
It was a sabotage trap. I stepped right into that. I totally didn't realize what was going on. I just stepped right in because I'm ignorant in politics. And you assume everyone's being honest because that's that's what you were there to do. I, I just paid this guy, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, uh, that, that it was it was like I paid the campaign manager that day in full, so we were cool. Uh, the next day we had an argument, and that's when the guy was yelling at me, "You need to play the game" and all that. So really discouraged that. Like, this is what's going on in politics. This is absolutely not at all what I want to deal with. I want to just do cool things. I want to focus on doing interesting things. I don't want to get involved in, in like, mucking around in the mud and fighting with people. But unfortunately, th that's what it is. It, the, the Gary Johnson campaign, when we were doing well, and the headlines would have been, McAfee's campaign is on fire, we're, we're, we're rising like a rocket ship, a lever was pulled, and all of a sudden the headlines were, Gary, uh, McAfee's campaign is disintegrating. And this is the result of a combination of, of some people, like you mentioned, Chris Thrasher, who you believe was sort of helping to sabotage the campaign on, on behalf of the Gary Johnson campaign, uh, yeah. along with, you know, there's a what it seems like a blogger who was paid by the Johnson campaign. So we can't really say he was reporting objectively on the situation, yeah. putting out articles saying that the McAfee campaign is going down. So you're starting to see a picture build as you kind of go along here. Yeah, exactly. Judd, we got a lot more juicy details to dig into, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. I want to get to, to the convention, because uh, that's obviously where the most politicking is going to be going down. Uh, did, did you see anything at the convention floor? Uh, like, what, what evidence did you see there that the convention was essentially, I, I, I believe you mentioned in another interview that the convention floor was purchased. So what evidence did you see that, that leads you to believe that the floor was, in fact, purchased for Gary Johnson? Well, there's just discussions with other libertarians that have been in the party for a long time that there, I, from what I'm hearing, at least 30%, if not 50% of the people at the convention, no one has ever seen them before in the party at all at any meeting whatsoever. And no one has seen them since. The vote for president, the roll call at that time was about 1,050 delegates, something like that. The day before, it was about 450. Later, the day after the presidential vote, when they were voting for the, chair, the chairman of the LP part vote, there was like 700-something delegates voting. So 30% left by the time that they started voting for the chair. And like 50% of the people that weren't there the day before, people just came for the vote. They voted for president and vice president, and they left. Um, so that, that that's just something that's very suspicious. And, and did you get any sense that – is that something that – like – 
did a lot of campaigns have people that just showed up for their candidate and took off? Or, or I mean, is there reason for you to believe this was specifically Gary Johnson people that were there for their one vote and then they got out of there because they're they're not there for any other yeah. reason? Yeah, it's, it's it's specifically Gary Johnson people. Gary Johnson's campaign team. I I called them out uh, during the during the race that they're buying flights and hotel rooms for delegates. And I and I simply said I wasn't talking about whether there's a crime happening here. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Right. To be clear, you're not suggesting anything illegal has been done this whole time. Uh, it's yeah. just that not it, it's the kind of thing that you would like to believe that the Libertarian Party, a party that's supposed to be of principle, would not be undertaking you, that they would go about politics in a more honest way. And, and what you're really trying to say is that's that's absolutely not the case, unfortunately. Right. The the LP members believe that they're voting for somebody that's won hearts and minds to get elected. They're not aware of these things. So I'm just making them aware. I'm not talking about uh, whether the Gary Johnson campaign has committed any crimes at all. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. That's totally not the point. I'm not even talking about whether this is behavior that's unethical or not. Or, you know, I'm not even getting into that. I'm saying this is a really poor activism. This is not what we should be doing. This is not helpful for libertarians to be engaged in this kind of behavior. That's really the point that I'm trying to make here. This is not what we should be supporting. Um, and, and so I said, if you want, um, donate to Gary Johnson's campaign, you're going to be buying flights and hotels. That's what I posted, something about that. And the Gary Johnson campaign vehemently denied that they were buying flights and hotels for uh, delegates because essentially that means that they're stuck in the convention. The Libertarian Party works differently than the Democrats and the Republicans where before the convention, you know who's going to win. It's really clear. The delegates are bound. Right. The Libertarian Party convention, it's totally open. So whoever has more delegates voting for them wins. And, and really, it's about how many people you can get to show up in Orlando. Uh, so, so they're basically, you can purchase the Libertarian election. If you have enough money, you can fly in enough uh, delegates and pay for enough hotel rooms. You can win. I heard from a lot of people that's how Bob Barr won the nomination in 2008. But that's just, I don't have any proof of that. That's just what I heard. So I'll, I'll leave that out there as that. Um, and, and it looks like that's what's happening with Gary Johnson. And there's no way that they're getting enough money from Libertarian Party donors to do something like that. It's just too much money. But I said, I said that that's happening. Gary Johnson's team denied it. Ron Nielsen denied it. And then just a couple of days ago on my Facebook page, Libertarian uh, Gary Johnson t campaign team staffers acknowledged that they were in fact buying hotel rooms and flights and saying that they wish that they bought more, that that's totally fine. They see nothing wrong with that. Well, because that's how politics works to them. That's how politics works to them. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad that they were honest. But you see, there's like a big conflict where would, Gary Johnson this is different than what the campaign was claiming during up to up, up to the convention process campaign is telling libertarian party members differently they're they're saying that that's not the case that so th this wasn't really a contest of hearts and minds um this this was a contest of who brought in the most money to buy the election that's ultimately what it was and that's why i said the convention floor was purchased do you have any any insight into what went on uh with the william weld though because obviously bill weld just like gary johnson did not win on the first vote and then there was a lot of talk about people endorsing each other. And then, you know, we have Alicia Dern who comes up. It almost seemed like she was about to rebuke Bill Weld. 
and then she turns around and, and endorses him. So, and, and she did later claim that she was told, "Look, if we don't support Bill Weld, we're not going to be in the polls. We're not going to be in the media. Uh, you know, you need to support Bill Weld because to do any otherwise is going to really sabotage this campaign." Do you have any insight on, on that situation? Oh yeah, so much. That's like a whole different discussion. Um, yeah, you can pretty much discount anything that Alicia Dern says. Uh, she's a liar, and this was one of the most slimy things that I saw happen in at the Libertarian race. Uh, Alicia Dern uh, was one of the VP candidates running for the VP nomination against me. Every other person running for VP, I, I thought it was cool. I like them. I support them. I want them to do well and, and to continue doing even better in the party and the movement, except for Alicia Dern. What happened there was really slimy. Before she even announced that she was running, she was attacking my credibility. Like I've got fantastic cred in the scene. Um, when I said that uh, Gary Johnson's team was buying hotels and flights, she was on board with the Gary Johnson team at that time. She was associated with them. And she wrote on Facebook that uh, Judd lost a lot of credibility by saying things like this. Gary, they don't have the money for this and they could be using the money more effectively. Well, later it was confirmed that I was telling the truth that that actually was happening. But, um, but, it, but the fact that she attacked my credibility for saying what I see is going on, that, that put her on the list of people not to be trusted. Then she was announced and she's running uh, uh, as if she's like focusing on art and artists, which was really interesting. And what I heard, everything that, she, that goes on in politics is like you hear it, but you, it, but everybody talks to you as if like you didn't hear it from me. Right. Everybody's telling me, I'm telling you this, but you didn't hear it from me. And so uh, one of those situations where somebody told me this is what's going on, but you didn't hear it from me is that Alicia Dern was basically put in place to neutralize me because I was I was considered a threat to the Gary Johnson campaign and the Gary Johnson campaign used her for that purpose. I mean, I'm sure she was running and she it, it, there's she had an intentions that weren't just me, but that was part of it. And um, and her focus was interestingly on art and stuff. So she starts putting out campaign videos talking about the importance of art. All right. Okay, I was showing, I was taking a more artistic approach with my videos. Uh, so now she wants to be the spokesman for art. Okay, cool. Like when I was telling people that I, uh, she's not somebody you can trust, a lot of people just thought that, you know, I'm running against her and I'm just like shitting on her campaign. But then Austin supported her as his VP choice. Um, and and she, was she, went, she was telling people that she was upset with Gary Johnson. She's got dirt on the Gary Johnson team. She will give inside knowledge of, of what's going on with Gary Johnson and, and a help win if you support her. She told that to Austin and she told that to McAfee. McAfee had a meeting with her because she wanted his endorsement, which would have been absolutely ridiculous if, if he endorsed her while me and him have been running a campaign. I was running the campaign. I was basically the campaign manager in essence. Uh, or, Tiffany was organizing things, but I was, I was running it mostly. Uh, it would be totally ridiculous if McAfee actually did endorse her. But she she met with him and promised him all sorts of things, promised him that she could even throw the election to him. Um, this was at the convention. She met with him. And, or, and so McAfee let her think that she would get an endorsement from him just because he wanted to hear what she had to say. And sure enough, Austin did support her and, and thought she, she was upset because Bill Weld was taking the position that she should have gotten of being Gary's favorite VP candidate. Sure enough, when she she gives her nomination speech, 
she calls Bill Weld up to the stage and and says she's supporting him. And she asks Bill Weld to please tell the party that he won't betray them. And Bill Weld won't say he won't. And and in the end, it was it was Alicia Dern who betrayed the party. Her campaign manager, Elizabeth, was crying after that. She was crying in tears. I saw her eyes were watery, teary, and upset. And I was like comforting her and being nice. She was, her campaign manager didn't know that Alicia Dern was going to do that. Her campaign manager was being was her cheerleader. And she found out just like a few minutes before Alicia Dern went on stage that that was even happening. Um, and I was telling people this. I, was, I, I knew that, that something like this was going to happen. She was a plant from the Gary Johnson campaign from the beginning. The, the overall idea here is, is that the Gary Johnson, Johnson campaign wasn't really conducting an honest campaign in the way that you were or at least were attempting to, you know, to the best of your ability. Uh, and, and they were they had. Multiple strategies, including, you know, maybe having Alicia Dern as, as a plant for them, uh, perhaps, you know, paying off John McAfee's old campaign manager to come work for them, uh, paying troll armies and, and, and that kind of thing. And it's all, and while you're like, again, you're not claiming anything illegal went on, what you are trying to say is, is this is not the way that libertarians want politics to be. This is what we're trying to reject. And yet this is exactly what went on, uh, you know, during the Gary Johnson campaign. In fact, the Democrats and Republicans certainly aren't any better. I would say that it's even worse. It's more hostile. I've heard in Republican politics, uh, it actually gets violent. People threaten people's lives. Um, like, like it's way worse within the Republicans and Democrats. So maybe we don't want the Libertarian Party to get really big and powerful, and maybe we want to stay small so so that the threats stay at silly, you know, at Facebook trolling and that kind of thing, and don't don't right. don't go up to uh, threatening lives and and that kind of thing. Right. So I'm not I'm not saying that the Libertarian Party is is inherently worse or it's got problems that the other parties don't have. The other parties have worse problems than Libertarians. I'm saying the Libertarian Party is supposed to be a vehicle for activism. This is what we're doing. This is what you're paying for. Your donations, your support for the Gary Johnson campaign is helping to bring more viciousness into the movement. That's not effective activism. We, we shouldn't be doing that. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And one more thing I want to touch on, uh, because before the Libertarian Convention, I had George Phillies on the show, and he has analyzed the campaigns of Bob Barr and the campaigns of Gary Johnson in 2012. Now, he hasn't done this full breakdown of the Gary Johnson 2016 yet, but but his basic idea was, look, the, the Gary Johnson 2012 campaign, look how much money they they put into marketing and, and that sort of thing, compared to even, even regular Republican and Democrat campaigns. And most of the marketing, you can see it goes to specific firms, specific people. Uh, and that's where the the vast majority of his money is spent. On the tw- I was referring to the 2012 campaign. He was essentially right. coming on the show to say, don't make this mistake again, libertarians, because the same thing will happen. So now if we look forward to the, the FEC reports that are currently out, you've talked about this before, so I'll let you put it out there. What kind of money was going to, I believe this is specifically Ron Nielsen, who you've mentioned a few times, his organization, yeah. what kind of money were they getting from, from the Gary Johnson campaign, and how does that relate to the, the type of money a campaign manager would get from you know a normal Republican? Republican or Democrat campaign. Right. So I think I forgot the exact numbers. It was in Oppen's article that Yeah, Hillary we'll Clinton, link to all the exact breakdowns of this. There's plenty of information we have. So we'll link to all that in the show notes again for this program. I, I forgot how many um, tens of millions of dollars Hillary Clinton's campaign raised and her campaign manager made what, like 120,000? Um, Marco Rubio annualized salary of 120,000. So if it was if it was annualized out uh, Marco Rubio's campaign manager was the one who was paid the most, and I think it was like 190000 So he made almost $200,000 uh, for 
a Republican frontrunner who had a real shot at winning the the election. Um, so most of the campaign managers are paid about a hundred thousand or so, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more. Ron Nielsen pocketed a million eight fifty. All right, here, yeah, a million eight fifty eight hundred dollars. Wow, to be precise, that's. That's insane. That's a, just a straight up scam. And that's not even annualized because this is not for a, no. necessarily for a year worth of work. This is just for no. that small amount of time that Garrett between that Gary Johnson was actively running for president, which is between maybe six eight February, months. February between yeah between February and and uh, November. So if you annualize uh, that and then compare that to say the highest paid Republican, you know, which is Marco Rubio's manager, I mean, it's just, and then you look at the results. Right. <laughs> so for going ten times. For 10 times more money than the highest paid uh, campaign manager, Gary Johnson got a, a completely ineffective campaign manager who has no experience beyond working with Gary Johnson in managing any campaigns. He, com- so he's completely incompetent, absolutely terrible messaging. Uh, it's embarrassing, in fact, the, the, the messaging that was coming out of that campaign. And, um, and, and bringing in organizing, orchestrating all this viciousness and hostility that, that they're introducing into the movement. That's, that's what he was paid a million eight for. That's, a, that's just a straight-up scam. And I don't know if this is illegal or not. And again, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying liberty activists supported Gary Johnson because they wanted to help the cause. And their support went into Ron Nielsen's pocket and brought about more viciousness into the movement. That's what I have a problem with with the Gary Johnson campaign. I know you don't want to make this your thing. You're not trying to be the guy who's going to spend the rest of the next four years out there, you know, putting out to quote dirt on the Gary Johnson campaign or or complaining about this stuff. You just want to get it out there uh, kind of all in in one fell swoop. So but I've seen a lot of people out there criticizing the fact that you're even doing this at all. Uh, You know, I've seen a lot of Facebook conversations and and the general general attitude I see from a lot of people is, you know, why put this out there? This is really just sour grapes. Uh, But I think the one of the most troubling comments that I've seen, and I've seen it on more than one person, I don't need to name anybody, but look, this is just how politics is, and the biggest mistake that the Johnson campaign did was not doing it even better. Not doing more of what you're complaining about, uh, not doing more right. of what you're criticizing, not essentially buying off enough people. That, that's that, that's what they're saying. So what's your response to people that, that say, look, this is just sour grapes, this is just politics, and you know, you're, you just weren't a good politician, and that's why you don't get this stuff, Judd. Yeah, that's right. I'm not a good politician, and I, and I don't want to be. Um, uh, if people if people are okay with this, cool. I'm, I'm making them aware. If you're cool with it, cool. Continue to support it. Continue to pay money for more viciousness and scamming, and uh, and continue to encourage more of that. I I want people to be aware of it so that we stop doing this. I, I want people to be aware of trying to prevent supporting, continuing to support this kind of behavior. I think it's 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 a mess. I have done a great job of avoiding fights in the liberty movement. I don't get into fights. I, I usually am the guy that's resolving conflicts, that's getting people to chill out, get out, and get them to stop fighting. That's my focus. I've been doing it. I've been working behind the scenes with organizations to be friendlier with each other. I really hope we can stop fighting. If I if I'm calling somebody out uh, and and I'm and I'm bringing light to something because I think it's awful. That's because I consider it to be extremely terrible. This, this is like a level above. I never push people out of the movement. I think we need all hands on deck. We need to be more open. We need to encourage more people to come in. I never push people out of the movement unless they are damaging or they're scamming. And the Tea Party has been bled 
by tons of people sticking their hands in the cookie jar, scamming the Tea Party activists. The good intentions of those activists have been taken advantage of to line people's pockets. And I saw that happen. And unfortunately, uh, there was a cult of personality built around Gary Johnson, even though he had a lack of personality. <laughs> and I, still know, I mean, I literally couldn't help but chuckle when you said cult of personality around Gary Johnson because – <laughs> I don't think yeah. anyone is going to accuse Gary Johnson of having an amazingly dynamic personality. No, but he w- <laughs> he became our nominee, and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of true believers out there that'll like defend him to to the end of time. And I'm like, guys, I'm just going to if you if you want to plug your ears, plug your ears, go for it. I don't care, but I, I am going to tell people what's going on because I care about my credibility. People are like, you're attacking the last nominee. That's the end of your credibility. I'm like, no, I'm I'm saying what's going on because I care about my credibility. Because I want people to know that I'm always going to tell people exactly what's going on the way I see it. And this is what's going on. I wish I could report better. I desperately wish I could. But this is what I'm seeing. There's a scene war in the movement. There's all these factions fighting with each other all the time. Within the wider movement, you see little scuff. Let me, let me explain to you what's, uh, what, what I see ultimately as a problem with the Libertarian sure. Party. In the liberty movement, you see scuffles. People fight with each other every once in a while. They bicker on some things. Certain organizations are more hostile than others, like the Ayn Rand Institute. They fight with everybody. Mises uh, fights with Cato sometimes. But for the most part, everybody does their own thing, and those things pitter out, and it's not that big of a deal. Let me back up. The Liberty Libertarian Party is just a small piece of the wider liberty movement. There's hundreds of organizations, think tanks and whatnot. And like oh, I was saying, while there's some scuffles, imagine what would happen if all of the organizations suddenly disappeared, all of the entities suddenly disappeared, and it all became one entity. And in order to direct the direction of that one entity, we had to vote. For the entire liberty movement, we had to vote on the direction of the entire liberty movement. Can you imagine the outright warfare that we would have? Yeah, that w- it wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> right. That's the Libertarian Party. Right. That's why it's toxic. That's why um, the way it's set up right now, I don't see any hope. Do you think that there is any chance? Uh, I'm actually, it, now that I think of it, it seems like a silly question. Is there? Any, there's no chance you would be involved in the Libertarian Party again, I mean, uh, on the campaign level? I mean, I don't know. I, who, who knows? No, I, I want the Libertarian Party to do well. That's why I'm saying this. I'm not saying this to be a dick. I'm on a mission of mercy. I want to help. I'm looking at a dog dying and suffering, and I want to, like, I want to, I, I, I'm looking at a dog scratching itself to death, and I'm trying to get it to stop doing that. I'm trying to help it. You're Th- trying this to point is, out the fleas so we can stop the scratching. Yeah, I'm trying to get us from stop self-sabotaging ourselves. If I ask you a question, is the, the Libertarian Party so desperate for some basic qualifications that they will look at that over everything else about their candidate, that the the, the Prieto is qualifications over any other factor whatsoever? And the answer is yes, they are that desperate because Gary Johnson brought absolutely nothing else to the table except the fact that he was a governor, which is legit. That's great. But he's not bringing anything else. He was a governor and he likes weed. Those are basically the two qualifications. If Gary Johnson was just some random guy that showed up at conferences, um, but he liked to like hike mountains and bike ride, <laughs> would anybody want this guy representing the libertarians in the general election? I'm thinking not. No, nobody would. No, the fact that he's governor is great, 
um, I'm, I'm glad that we got that qualification that'll open up some doors. I think that's fantastic. But that's not everything. Let's look at some more things. You know, it's not just the fact that McAfee ran a, a large company and got some notoriety from that. McAfee is an interesting, dynamic character. He's very capable with media. He's very capable uh, of a personality. Now, I'm not upset so much. I, I wanted to win, but I'm okay with the fact that we didn't and that I'm not in the middle of that mess of the general election. I, I, I'm totally fine with that. I, I really feel like the Libertarian Party blew it in a, in a really bad way. And everybody's looking at this like Gary Johnson achieved, or the Libertarians are trying to spin it like Gary Johnson achieved some sort of victory for the Libertarian Party. I can't tolerate that for one second because they're looking at the wrong context. They're looking at our dismal results from before, and they're saying that we did better. Therefore, Gary Johnson was helped improve the Libertarian Party's situation. But that's not the right context. The right context is to look at that current situation of, of the 2016 election, where almost the whole country hated both candidates running. I mean, ju just the fact that, look, before anybody heard of Gary Johnson, he was polling at 12%. So, and because they, they got excited initially hearing, oh, there's another option. There's another guy. Oh, okay. Sure. I'll, I'll put my name in that hat. Uh, and that got him to 12%. And it only went down from there. So basically, the Libertarian Party has been the bench warmer in, in the competition, in, in, the, in the sports battle uh, for a long time. We've been on the bench. And we finally got a chance to play. And people are like, yeah, there's a reason why they're bench warmers. Go back on the bench. That's how I look at the 2016 general election. Uh, we, I, all I wanted, if, if it wasn't McAfee and I, all I wanted was for the Libertarian Party to have a cool option for the first time in history. And unfortunately, when people looked at the Libertarian option this election, they're like, that's lame. Screw that. And I just wanted them to look at that option and be like, that's interesting. What's that about? That's what I was doing with our messaging. Um, I was keeping it very simple and digestible. If you, I, I, I didn't, like we throw out, we spit out like um, all of our policy positions. But I keep telling people that's like an engineering spec sheet for other nerds. Most people don't understand that. It just looks random when it comes out from us. Like when we get angry and we spit out a bunch of policy positions, people are like, these are just angry people, angry about random things. They don't get it. They don't understand it. So I was trying to keep it really simple in our messaging. Liberty is essentially a truce. Don't harm me. I won't harm you. We're not, we're not just another political force. We're, we're trying to offer a way out of this mess. I was trying to reframe it that way. Government is not a tool. It's a weapon. Um, I wanted people to think just very simple concepts like that. I wanted them to understand why we feel this way about it in a really easy, digestible way. Yes, a weapon is a tool, but it's a tool for destruction. We don't want, we, we need to look at government as, as that. that. That last video I put out, the hate sale, was basically a direct attack on, di on democracy. But I did it in a way that was very simple and digestible. In, in a lot of ways, it could have been a direct attack on what you're seeing from the Johnson campaign as well. Right, right. It's it's ironic. And here's the thing. This is why I often don't want to get involved in the libertarian parties because you just get stuck in a fight. Um, the, anybody who gets involved, it's like they've jumped into a pen of wolves scratching and biting and everybody dips their toe in they get the fuck out. That's what keeps happening in the libertarian party. That's why I don't like getting involved too much. And sure enough, I, I came in, I wanted to do cool stuff and I just getting attacked. And I can handle that. I knew I was. I'm just surprised that it was from the Gary Johnson campaign. Gary Johnson, who I considered a friend. The, the campaign team, who I considered 
a lot of them I considered my friends. Um, Ron Nielsen I considered a friend. And I, I, I started posting these things publicly because I was hoping that they would just knock it off. Like, playing dirty with me isn't going to work. I'm going to post whatever happens behind the scenes that's shady. I'm going to bring light to the shade, and I'm just going to talk about it. So knock that shit off. But instead, Ron Nielsen doubled down and just went more vicious. And you can do that in politics. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever shady shit you want to your opponent in politics. Because if the if your opponent says anything after you do it, he's going to look like the shady person that's starting to attack you. It's really like shocking. So they know that they can get away with anything because if I say what, what I see, everybody's going to start attacking me for being dirty and, and, and being like running a negative campaign. And I've certainly seen, seen some of that and criticism of, of you speaking out about this stuff. Although, can I, can I say a couple, yeah, can I say oh a couple yeah, more? Absolutely. Go ahead. Before, before we end, I want to say that I'm not attacking LP members here. And I'm not attacking the leadership. In fact, uh, the opposite. I like Nick Sarwak, the chair of the LP. I like him a lot. I think he's great. Um, I think, in fact, if anything, I think we should all send him chocolates and massage certificates for having to like deal with all these uh, like whiny babies all over the place. Because that's basically what the chair is. He's got to be a babysitter to all these people fighting. And Nick actually does an amazing job i have to say um i don't think he's moving the party forward in a powerful way i don't think that that's really possible i think that there's just too it's just too toxic of an environment but he's doing a surprisingly good job of keeping the peace as best he can and that's why i'm impressed with nick sarwak and that's why i think he's a value to the wider liberty movement because he's doing a relatively good job of keeping the peace it would be all-out warfare with him there's like maybe 17 or so, however you want to split it up, 17 or so warring factions within the Libertarian Party. They're constantly fighting with each other. Um, you, can't, you can't keep total peace, but Nick's doing a pretty good job. So this is not an attack on leadership. The problem isn't leadership. The problem isn't the LP members. The problem is structural. It's a political party. And because it's a political party, we have to factionalize up into competing camps and fight for elections, just like we do with the general public. And it's pitting libertarians against each other. And I was thinking about this last night. You know, what is the value of the Libertarian Party? What have they achieved? Well, I mean, they've won a few small elections. There's, there's every once in a while, there's like a city council seat that somebody will get. Maybe, maybe somebody will become mayor somewhere. But for the most part, for the last several decades, after all this time, energy, hostility, brain distraction, emotion, the Libertarian Party really hasn't achieved anything. Pretty much. It's been, that's why I say it's been a sinkhole. The, in the wider liberty movement, it's been the biggest sinkhole of time, energy, money, and emotions that I've seen. Um, and it's the cage match arena where libertarians fight with each other over positions of no power. It's embarrassing. I wish it, wish it would be improved. I came in. I just wanted to show a better way. I think we need to focus not on winning elections, on building our message and brand and platform and, and, and uh, promoting our cause. And I just wanted to show a different way we can be cooler. We need to stop focusing on the minutia details of people's differences. We need to focus on improving the environment. We need to focus on improving the experience of being involved in the liberty movement or the libertarian party. Otherwise, no one's going to want to be involved in this experience because the experience is miserable. And I'm trying to think, maybe, maybe the libertarian party has contributed something valuable to the scene. And I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here. 
But maybe the Libertarian Party's value is that it's not to win elections or achieve anything at all. It's basically the Liberty Sense convenient quarantine pen for the most toxic elements. It's like a dog kennel. You, you can't have rabid dogs loose biting people. You need to put them somewhere. So that's the Libertarian Party. It's a place for angry libertarians who need a chew toy. And that's each other. It's like the Hunger Games for all the for all the seediest politician type people. People that want to fight. Like maybe the Libertarian Party, that's a convenient place. That's why the Liberty Movement needs a Libertarian Party so that people have a place to go fight with each other and that other people in the movement can go and focus on advocating causes, spreading the message, and advancing liberty um, ideas. You know, I don't know. I'm sure that they won't appreciate it. So, you know, that's something for them to chew on. We'll see how they respond. Unfortunately, my, my takeaway, my gut feeling after getting involved in the Libertarian Party, and I want it to be better, and, I, and I'm saying these things so that we're aware of it so it can change. I'm hoping it does because I would love us to be relevant one day. I would love us to actually win elections one day or achieve something positive, but it's not going to happen. We can't tear ourselves apart to victory. I don't want to be involved in uh, fights and negativity. I'm going to get out of that. I have so many more things I'm working on, I'm excited about, but I just felt like I had to tell people what I saw going on behind the scenes. Well, Judd, I certainly appreciate you coming on here and venting all this out there because you know I agree with you that you know sunshine is is the the cure for darkness. So if there's stuff we don't like, if there's stuff you see, and people people argue, some people will say that nothing they see nothing wrong in even everything you've said. And for those people, well, fine, you can make that that judgment, but others might see it and think there is something wrong. And you're only going to be able to judge that when we're being honest about what is actually going on. So I think that really is the first step. Exactly. I want us to start talking about that about what we're doing our behavior i want that to be the prime focus from now on uh we've we've got the ideas down we've talked about the 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 nap and abortion and all these things we can keep talking about it but our main focus needs to be on our behavior now because our behavior is terrible our main focus needs to be on the experience that we're creating and our our experience that we're creating in the liberty libertarian party is i would rate it about f or worse it's terrible so we can be something but we need to now focus on making this something that people actually want to be a part of. Because without numbers, we might as well just all give up and go home. There's no point. Judd, I know one thing you're not going to do is give up and go home. You might, whether that involvement is in or out of the Libertarian Party, you're certainly one of the most active liberty activists out there. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more from you either way, one way or the other. Yeah, I'll be around for decades, for sure. And uh, th- again, thank you for coming on, Judd. Before I let you go, is there anything else you just want to plug? Do you have anything, uh, people, I know you got all your photography stuff going on and, and your blog and, and all that stuff. So if there's anything else you want to drop where people can find more of your work, feel free to do so. You can find me on Facebook, uh, slash Judd Weiss, uh, Instagram.com slash Judd Weiss, Twitter.com slash Judd Weiss. I use that for everything. Um, so that that's probably the best place. I have a blog. I haven't been updating it enough, but HustleBear.com is my blog. And uh, yeah, you can check out my photos and stuff. The best place I'm most active on is really just Facebook. All right, Judd. Well, it's been a blast. There's a lot to dive into. And again, we talked about a lot of stuff today. I'll post everything that I can over in the show notes for today's program. Until then, keep up the great work, Judd. We'll be talking to you. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate you having me on. Woo! Wow. That was quite a doozy, wasn't it, guys? Now, 
I don't want to get into much of my commentary on the matter. I just wanted to give Judd a venue to really get into even more detail, more in depth. He's talked a lot about this stuff in some other interviews and online. And I know that he want, really wanted to just get this all off his chest and kind of be done with it and kind of put it behind him once it's all out there. So that's really all my mission to do is today. If there are people that have counter views or people from the Gary Johnson campaign that you know want to come up with a, a different narrative here, I'm more than fine to you know provide a platform for that as well. So feel free to reach out if you fall into that category. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, email me, Mark, M-A-R-C at lionsofliberty.com. No shortage of ways to get a hold of me, guys. And like I said, this show is always about you, always about how to bring you the content that you guys want. You can tell us what that is by joining our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar on Facebook. And if you look like a real person, we'll get you right in there to join the conversation. Guys, had a really long interview. As you know, as you know, if you've come this far, so I'm going to skip the letters of liberty today. I do first want to take a little bit of time out to mention that some of you, an elite group of you, may have already heard this interview because members of the Lions of Liberty Pride were able to get exclusive early access to this interview, completely commercial-free, over a week ago. So, if you want to hear some of these shows a little bit early, before they're released to the general public, one way to do so, really the only way to do so, is by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can do so by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. And speaking of which, next week's guest is really a big one. Sam Cedar. He's a big-time progressive, the host of The Majority Report, a show that first started back in 2004 on Air America, which he co-hosted with Janine Garofalo. He is a progressive. Uh, he has challenged a lot of libertarians. He's had uh, he's had conversations with Peter Schiff, Walter Block, uh, Dave Smith, people that have been on this show before. Um, we definitely don't agree on pretty much anything, but I wanted to reach outside my bubble and really try to have a good conversation with someone who, while I don't really agree with him at all, I do think he does make uh, an honest attempt to engage, and he specifically does attempt to do that with other libertarians. So really looking forward to that conversation with Sam Cedar. However, just like with today's interview with Judd, you can get an early access to that interview today. That's right. It's out there today if you join the Lions of Liberty Pride at the $5 or higher level. Again, to do that, just head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Guys, it's been a blast. Don't forget to check out all the great shows coming for you the rest of the week. We do have a couple spinoffs here. As you guys know, Electric Liberty Land on Friday when Brian takes a look at everything comedy, culture, and liberty. And of course, this coming Friday, John Odermatt takes you on a whirlwind tour of the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. Until next time, folks, live long and live free.